All right, good evening, brothers and sisters in the faith. Thank you so much for joining our Bible study for tonight. Welcome to another episode of the Bible History Project brought to you by the Church of Christ, 1914 Ministries. Before we proceed, we ask everyone to please stand for our opening prayer. Almighty and loving Father, Yes. Indeed, you are good and gracious to us all. Yes. Not only do we have our life and our strength, yes. you bless us with sound mind and open hearts yes. to gladly receive your holy words, yes. which will shape our character. Amen. Help us to benefit fully from your teachings, yes. to learn from the patterns of Scripture, yes. that we will do what is right in your eyes yes. to glorify your holy name. Amen. May you bless your people throughout the world, yes. especially those who are severely being persecuted yes. we can only depend on you and yes. we believe father you will deliver your people to safety Amen. please completely pardon our iniquities yes. we ask and beg everything father in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ amen, amen. okay all right we continue with our studies of the life of the patriarchs we continue with isaac and his relationship and experience with Abimelech. Perhaps the word Abimelech or the name Abimelech uh, sounds familiar to you. So we'll talk a, a bit about that. Let's go ahead and proceed to Genesis chapter 26 and the verse is 1. So we are basically halfway to, through the book of Genesis. Yes, this is our halfway point to the book of Genesis. Genesis 26 verse 1. A severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar where Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, lived. And so what happened during the time of Isaac? Just like during the time of Abraham, there was a severe famine in the land. This happened long time ago during the days of Abraham. And so what did Isaac decide to do? To go to Gerar where Abimelech is the king of the Philistines. You still remember Abimelech, right? When he made a pact or an oath or a covenant with Abraham before in Beersheba, this Abimelech is not the same Abimelech. There's good reason to believe that the Abimelech is a title like Pharaoh. And so these are two different individuals who happen to be called Abimelech in the Holy Scriptures. Take note of the, what the Bible says, a severe famine took place as had happened before. Why are we not surprised that this pattern is repeating itself? Ecclesiastes 3, about 3 verse 15, what is happening now has happened before, and what will happen in the future has happened before, because God makes the same things happen over and over again. And so we need to understand something about the events of scripture many of the patterns of old will happen during our days the bible says what will happen in the future has already happened before sometimes because we don't learn from our mistakes and so we repeat the same patterns of mistakes and we can expect the same outcomes sometimes however god makes the same things happen over and over again god has a purpose and a reason for that he is, after all, a sovereign God. And so when Abraham, or when Isaac, uh, experienced a famine in the land, he decided to go to Gerar. How about Abraham? Do you still remember where he decided to go? 
when there was a famine in the land? Well, to refresh your memory, Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abraham to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. What did Abraham decide to do when there was a famine in the land? Instead of consulting with God and praying to God, he chose to go down to Egypt. And because he went to Egypt, he brought with him a lot of, or he experienced many problems and brought with him Hagar, and that also led to a lot of discord. And so it was not the will of God for him to go to Egypt. What he should have done was to pray to our almighty God. Question, can God provide during a famine? What is your answer? Yes. Perhaps Abraham did not believe yet that God was almighty, and so he did not really believe that God can provide even during a famine. And so we're expecting Isaac will finally learn, right? And so when there was a famine, instead of consulting God, what did he do? Genesis 26, 1 to 2, a severe famine now struck the land, as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lit. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. And so Isaac was planning to go where? To Egypt, just like his father. Instead of consulting with God, he decided to take matters into his own hands. It's a good thing is God is merciful, and God protected Isaac and Rebekah, and God appeared to him and said to him, Do not go down to Egypt. So God was guiding Isaac, even though he did not consult with our almighty God. Perhaps he did consult with God. We don't know. God appeared to him and said to him, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. So what did God tell Isaac to do? Let's read the book of Genesis 26, 3 to 6, live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. Let's pause there for a while. Have you noticed when God gives a command, it's always coupled with a promise, right? It's true before, it's true today. Every time God issues or gives a command, he always gives a promise. Here, God says, live in this foreign in this land as a foreigner, and I will bless you. Why did God have to say that? Because he was concerned about the famine, right? How am I going to be blessed in this foreign land when the conditions of this land is not really good? And so God says, stay here, and I will bless you. God was teaching him not to rely on Abimelech, not to rely on Egypt, but to rely on God's ability to provide. That's why he says, I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me, and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. So after God gave the instruction, just stay here in this foreign land in Gerar, God said, I will bless you. And God confirmed the promise that he made to 
Abraham, that he will become a father of many descendants and the land will be given to them. So Isaac decided to stay in Gerar. Next slide, please. To give you an idea of where Gerar is, that's where Gerar is at, not too far away from Hebron, and not too far away from a place called Beer Lahai Roy. If you still remember, that's the place where Hagar was praying to our Almighty God, and God heard him, right? That's also where Isaac and Rebekah were last seen, according to the Bible. And so it's likely they were there during the famine, and they traveled uh, to Gerar, which is about 75 miles. And so they settled there in Gerar, as instructed by the Lord God, instead of going all the way to Egypt. Egypt is somewhere southwest of Bel uh, Beer Lahai Roy. And so God said, just stay there, and I will provide for your needs. However, while they were there, what happens next? Genesis 26, verse 7. When the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebekah, he said, she is my sister. Oh, boy. Does that sound familiar? It does, doesn't it? He was afraid to say she is my wife. Why? He thought they will kill me to get her because she is so beautiful. Like father, like son. Patterns tend to repeat themselves. If you don't learn from the past, you're going to repeat the mistakes you made in the past. And so she, it, Rebecca and Isaac, they conspired and they spoke together. And they're going to pass off um, Rebecca as his sister. However, what does God do? I believe God had a hand in this. What happens next? 26, 8 to 9. But sometime later, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. Immediately, Abimelech called for Isaac and exclaimed, She's obviously your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Because I was afraid someone would kill me to get her for me, Isaac replied. Remember how God protected Sarah from the Pharaoh? How? God sent a plague to Pharaoh, right? Remember? Remember how God protected Sarah from Abimelech, the first Abimelech? God gave a dream to Abimelech. This time, how does God uh, protect Rebekah? By exposing Isaac's deception. <laughs> you see, whether we like this, admit it or not, Isaac was committing deception, right? And sometimes what you plant, you also reap. This is why we're not surprised that Isaac would also be deceived later on, right? Who would deceive him later on? His son, his own <laughs> wife, right? You reap what you sow. And so God exposes the deception of Isaac and uh, the Abimelech asks him, why did you do that? Because I was afraid, Isaac replied. And so after hearing the excuse of Isaac and the truth about the situation, what does he decide to do? 26, 10 to 11, how could you do this to us? Abimelech exclaimed, one of my people might easily have taken your wife and slept with her, and you would have made us guilty of great sin. Then Abimelech issued a public proclamation, 
Anyone who touches this man or his wife will be put to death. And so God protected Rebekah by using Abimelech as an instrument. Abimelech rebuked Abraham, I mean, rebuked Isaac and issued a public proclamation. And so God, I'm sure God had forgiven Isaac at this time. Isaac probably was repentant. He probably was ashamed of what he did. Can you imagine? Someone who doesn't even know God's ways and God's laws would make such a proclamation. This is why we believe that he asked forgiveness from God. And God would, of course, forgive him because God is a forgiving God. So while there in Gerar, what does God do for Isaac? Genesis 26, 12 to 13, when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. You might be thinking and asking yourself, why would God bless Isaac after he just lied and deceived? Because God is faithful to his promise and God is a forgiving God. So God blessed him because he promised he would take care of him. He will provide for him there in Gerar. And so when he planted, how much did he get? For return what's his roi return of investment <laughs> what was his roi a hundred times that is outrageous right you know when god blesses us sometimes it's outrageous blessings right far exceeding what we can even think of god blessed him with a hundred times more grain than he planted not only that he became a rich man and it was not stagnant his wealth continued to grow However, although God has forgiven him, although God has blessed him, we have to keep in mind our sins, they always have consequences, right? This is why Apostle Paul reminds us of this, Galatians 6, 7 to 8, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So whatever we plant, whatever we sow, that's what we're going to harvest. In other words, there will be a consequence to every choice that we make. So if we commit sin, can God forgive us? Yes, but the consequences of our sins, they will continue to remain. What was planted, what was sown by Isaac, he sowed, next slide please, he sowed the seed of deception. You know, when you plant the seed of deception, you know what you can expect to reap? Broken relationships, right? This is why we're going to look at this chapter, the rest of the chapter of Genesis chapter 26. We will see the result of planting deception. Next slide. And we can see how relationship conflicts begin and how it can end okay when you practice deceit when there is when there are lies involved when you don't completely tell the truth when you are dishonest you lose the trust of that person right when you lose the trust of that person you cannot build a relationship in fact deception sets the stage for relationship breakdown this is true within an organization within a household, within a relationship between husband and wife, across the board. 
We cannot build a relationship, a successful one, based on deception. This is why we have to be authentic with each other. We have to be honest with each other. And because the deception has been planted, and Isaac begins to prosper, what happens next? Let's read Genesis 26, 14 and 15. He acquired so many flocks, this is Isaac, of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants, that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. So what happened when the Philistines saw that God was prospering um, Isaac with wealth? They became jealous. And perhaps one of the reasons why they were so jealous and why they acted against him by filling with dirt the well. When you do that, that was an act of war because a water during those days, that, was, that came at a premium. That was more important than gold. Water was more important than gold, right? You need water to survive, especially during those times. And so when they filled it up with dirt, that's a war crime right there. That's a heinous crime. Right? And so the Philistines became jealous of him. Part of the reason why is because of the deception of Isaac. They're thinking to themselves, why did he lie to us? We could have committed a great sin by sleeping with a married woman. And so when there is jealousy, what can we expect to happen from there? James 3 verse 16, where there is jealousy and selfishness. There's also disorder in every kind of evil. Is that true? When you look at how groups break up, how relationships break up, a lot of times it begins with what? Jealousy. Because when there's jealousy, you know what happens next? There's disorder and every kind of evil thinking. And so jealousy breaks even friends apart. Do not be jealous. <laughs> Anyone here jealous of their neighbor? Jealous of their friends. If you are jealous, you need to go to God and say to God, Lord, help me to overcome my jealousy. Because jealousy is not going to do what, it's not going to lead to relationships that will be fruitful between you and other people. So next slide. Number two, jealousy leads to disorder, especially when the other party has practiced deceit. What else happened partly because of the deception? Let's read uh, Genesis 26, verse 16. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac. This is Abimelech now. Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. Why did Abimelech tell his friend Isaac to leave? Because he became too powerful. Well, what has that got to do with it? Because he's afraid. He's afraid. Why is he afraid? Because he might remove him and install himself. He might take over. And so he's afraid. What might cause him to be afraid? Because he saw or he knows that Isaac lied to him. How can he trust Isaac? And now he has power. He lied to you. He has power. He can do something against you. So he was afraid. And when you are afraid, next slide, you know what usually happens? You make irrational decisions that lead to the breakup of the 
friendship. So deception sets the stage for relationship breakdown. Jealousy leads to disorder. Fear leads to irrational decisions. When jealousy and fear go together, what does that produce? And so what does Isaac do after he was instructed to leave Gerar? Genesis 26, 17 to 19. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley. So he, he went from main Gerar to the Gerar Valley. Take note, sometimes the best thing to do in a conflict is to part ways, right? You go there, we go here, right? Sometimes that's the best thing to do. That's what Isaac did. Seems like they're, they're persecuting us. There's nothing I can do about it. Best thing to do right now, you stay there, I go here. So that's what he did. And so he goes to Gerard Valley where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerard Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. So after Isaac moves away, he goes to Gerard Valley. What does he do there? He looks for the wells. Restores them, the wells Abraham had uncovered. Not only that, they also dug their own wells. Remember, Isaac is relying on God's provision during time of famine. He needs the provision of God, the blessing of God. And so Isaac was minding his own business, right? He was doing his own work. I wonder what the people there in Gerar had in mind. Let's read Genesis 26, 20. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. So they were minding their own business. They're digging wells. Here comes people from Gerar. What do they do? They go there and claim the well for themselves. So they had an argument over the well. So whatever Isaac's people were doing, they were kind of copying them, right? Mm -hmm. Copycats, <laughs> right? They're copying whatever they're doing. There was like an argument that happened. So he, the, the well was named what? Essek, Essek, right? Next slide. So number four, well of Essek, arguments begin to dominate in the relation Ship. And so what does Isaac do? Well, okay, since uh, the well, they were arguing over the well, what does Isaac decide to do next? Genesis 26, 21, Isaac's men then dug another well. They did something else. But again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. So here's Isaac and his men. They dig another well. They start another project. Well, they copied their project again, right? And had, they had a dispute over the well. This is why the well is called what? Sitna, which means what? Hostility. But you know, when there's another Hebrew equivalent for the word sitna, if you look at the word sitna, what does it sound like? Sitna, sitna. Satan. <laughs> That's where Satan comes from, means adversary or, next slide, Hebrew word sitna, right? It comes from 7854, <laughs> accusation, 
a root word it, it, that comes from the word accusation. This is why Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. And so what we see happening here, the jealousy and the fear has led to, next slide, to hostility and accusations. And so it goes from argument to hostility and accusations. And so the problem got worse. Uh, it became pretty bad, right? And so it's a good thing. I don't know if you noticed this, but every time they have a dispute over the well, what did Isaac do? Did he retaliate? Did he fight back? Did he say something back? No, he just went to dig another well. Why did he do that? Well, we should all learn from that. That's a good trait that Isaac had. We need to follow that good example that Isaac had when they were working against you he decided not to fight back. Why? Next slide, please. James 4, 1 to 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Aren't they caused by the selfish desires that fight to control you? You want what you don't have, so you commit murder. You're determined to have things, but you can't get what you want. You quarrel and fight. You don't have the things you want because you don't pray for them. And so... If we have a dispute, usually the dispute centers around something that you want and they also want, right? And so there's a, a, a quarreling, a fighting that takes place. The Bible says, instead of fighting and quarreling, what should you do? Pray for your needs. And so that's what Isaac does. He relies on God. So if you want this well, you can have it. I'll go dig another well instead of fighting with you. We can learn also from the Apostle Paul, Romans 12, 17 and 20. Don't pay people back with evil for the evil they do to you. Focus your thoughts on those things that are considered noble. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. If you do this, you will make him feel guilty and ashamed. So if ever... There's conflicts between us and other people. The best thing to do is don't pay, ev don't pay back evil with evil. And so when they post something on Facebook against you, instead of re reacting, instead of speaking evil back, what should we do? We should do something that is noble. Do something that is good for both. Do something that God wants us to do. When we do this, it will make the other party feel guilty and ashamed. This is what Isaac did. Instead of fighting back and quarreling, he did something noble. What was that? He moved on to a different place, right? He kept moving and moving and moving, and he dug another well. This time, what kind of well does he find? Next slide, please. Oh, before we go there, number six, do not quarrel or fight back. Instead, do what is noble and pray to God. Genesis 26, 22, abandoning that one, Isaac moved on, right? And dug another well. This time, there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last, the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. And so when you think about conflict between two individuals, 
instead of focusing on the things you're fighting over, you should focus on open space. What does that mean? You should focus on the things that you agree with, what you have in common. This is how you fix conflicts. You focus on what you have in common instead of disagreeing on what you don't agree to, right? Because if you keep focusing on what you disagree with, you're not going to reconcile. But if you focus on what you have in common, the next, the next step is reconciliation. This is what happens there in Rehoboth. And they reconcile. And so Apostle Paul instructs us this, Romans 14, 19. So let's pursue those things which bring peace and which are good for each other. Next slide, please. So number seven, well of Rehoboth. Pursue those things that bring peace and good for each other. And so they reconciled with the people of Gerar, right? They agree. And so where does Isaac go from there? Genesis 26, 23 to 25, from there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father, Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshipped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place, and his servants dug another well. This is why Isaac was known as the well digger. <laughs> he was able to dig a lot of wells. But you notice in this passage, after they had reconciliation, what happens next? Isaac decides to go to where? Beersheba. Once he got there, this is something that we need to kind of highlight in this passage. At the minute he got there, at the moment he got there, what did God do? The Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. And what did God say to Isaac? He repeated his promise that he made to Abraham. He confirmed it this time to Isaac. You know what that feels like to me? It feels like all along, God was leading and guiding Isaac to where? Beersheba. You notice that? Let's go to the next slide. Started out in Gerar, right? Started in Gerar. He got kicked out of Gerar, so what does he do? He digs a well. Gets kicked out of that one. He goes to another, he moves and digs another well. He gets kicked out again. He digs another well. This time he doesn't get kicked out. And so slowly, he gets closer and closer to where? Beersheba. And then he goes to Beersheba. Once he's there at Beersheba, God says to him, he appears to him and confirms the covenant that he made with Abraham, which has been conferred to Isaac. Now, why do you suppose God wants him to go to Beersheba? Next slide, please. Next slide again. Genesis 21, 33, 34. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and worshipped the Lord, the everlasting God. Abraham lived in Philistia for a long time. Beersheba was the place where Abraham lived for a long time. He planted a tamarisk tree there and worshipped the everlasting 
gone. It was there that he learned a lot of lessons. And it was there where his faith matured. This is why in Genesis 22, what happens? God tells him to go to Moriah. Right? This time, no questions asked. Abraham passed the test with flying colors. He learned a lot there in Beersheba. It was a place of refuge for the patriarchs. And so when Abraham takes his son Isaac all the way to Moriah, after the sacrifice was done, after God provides a ram, and they come back down from the mountain, what does Abraham do next? Genesis 22, 19, Abraham went back to his servants, and they went together to Beersheba, where Abraham settled. So Beersheba appears to be the place where the, the, the patriarchs found refuge and where they worshipped our almighty God. This is why next slide in verse 25 there, Isaac builds an altar and worshipped the Lord God. And so God was leading Isaac to Beersheba. Which brings us to principle, oh, well, before we go to the principle, let's go to the next slide, please. This is present-day Beersheba. And since it's a place where God wanted his patriarchs to converge, I think we should go there too, right? Beersheba. That's how it looks like now. Next slide. That's the well in Beersheba. There are other wells there as well, but this is the deep one. And so we're going to take a look at that well. And Beersheba is a place where God wanted... Um, not only Abraham, but also Isaac to, to, to build a place where he is to be worshipped. So we have to go there. So what principle can we learn? Next slide, number eight. Seek God's will and guidance through conflict. Yes, God will forgive us. But the consequences of our sins will remain. But the good news is, God can even use these consequences to guide us. Did you get that? That's how wise and wonderful God is. God used the conflict to guide Isaac back to where? Beersheba. So through your conflict, through the conflict that we experience, we can look for God's will, seek his guidance, so that he can lead us to the place where he wants us to be. And so one, once he was in Beersheba, worshiping God, enjoying his prosperity, he gets a visitor. <laughs> what could that be? Next slide. Genesis 26, 26, 27. One day King Abimelech came from Gerar with his advisor Ahuzath and also Fikol, his army commander. Why have you come here? Isaac asked. You obviously hate me since you kicked me off your land. And so Isaac, while he was living in peace, was visited by who? Abimelech. Remember, Abimelech was the one who kicked them out, right? I don't know if he wrote a letter kicking them out, but he kicked them out, right? And all of a sudden, he comes back to Isaac, and, you know, Isaac is a little confused. Why are you here? You obviously hate me because you kicked me out, right? And so what did Abimelech have to say? Genesis 26, 28, 29, they replied, we can plainly see that the Lord is with you. So we want to enter into a sworn treaty with you. Let's make a covenant. Swear that you will not harm us, just as we have never troubled you. 
We have always treated you well, and we sent you away from us in peace. And now, look how the Lord has blessed you. So why did Abimelech go to Isaac? Because he saw how God blessed Isaac. For me, the best way, because when there's a conflict, right? There's a conflict. You want to get even, don't you? The best way to get even is for them to see God blessing you, right? Seek the blessing of our almighty God. And so when Abimelech saw that God was blessing Isaac, Abimelech said, I want to go back to him. And what did he want from him? He wanted to make sure that he would not be harmed by him. And so Isaac forgives him, which brings us to principle number nine. We have to be willing to forgive. Okay? If there are those who want forgiveness, we should forgive. We should forgive. Why? Because God forgave us. Christ forgave us. Who are we to withhold forgiveness on other people? We must forgive just as we have been forgiven by God and our Lord Jesus Christ. What else did Isaac do? Genesis 26, 30, 31. So Isaac prepared a covenant feast to celebrate the treaty. And they ate and drank together early the next morning. They each took a solemn oath not to interfere with each other. And Isaac sent them home again. And they left him in peace. And so what did Isaac do? He accepted them. He celebrated with a treaty. So he celebrated the treaty. He prepared a feast because they made a covenant, an oath together that they will not interfere with what the other is doing. And so we should do the same thing, right? If there's forgiveness, let's not stop with forgiveness. Let's also work at restoration. And so Isaac restores the relationship. Next slide. Number 10. The last one. Work on restoration. That's how relationship conflicts begin and end and even flourish despite the conflict. And so on that day when they had the feast, what did Isaac's servant say? Genesis 26, 32, 33. That very day, Isaac's servants came and told him about a new well they had dug. We found water, they exclaimed. So Isaac named the well Sheba, which means oath. And to this day, the town that grew up there is called Beersheba, which means well of the oath. They found a well, and they called it oath, Sheba. And this also takes us back to Abraham's time. What did he call the well back in Genesis chapter 21 in Beersheba? Oath. Well of the seven. Beersheba. And so what do we see here? A lot of the patterns are being fulfilled, right? And so we can see a lot of similarities between Abraham and Isaac. Next slide. What are these similarities? Number one, Abraham experienced famine in the land, so did Isaac. Number two, they went to Egypt because of the famine. Well, Isaac planned to go to Egypt. Number three, they both stayed in Gerar. Number four, uh, out of fear, they both called their wives sister. Number five, they both have beautiful wives. Number six, they both had to deal with an Abimelech, <laughs> right? And the, the, the two Abimelech sought the wives 
Uh, Abimelech was concerned about adultery in both cases, Abraham and Isaac. Abimelech rebuked Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac both dug wells but had issues with the wells, right? Number 10, establish a covenant with uh, Abimelech, both of them. And number 11, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree and worshipped God in Beersheba. And Isaac builds an altar and worships God in Beersheba. Do you see the pattern? It repeats itself. I think you kind of saw that in Genesis 26, right? But did you also see the most important pattern of all? These are the obvious patterns. Did you see the most important pattern? We were, I was kind of hinting it at you. What is the two most important patterns that we should have saw in Genesis chapter 26? What are they? Next slide. The faithfulness of God and the forgiveness of God. Did you see that? Did you see the pattern that God showed and demonstrated with his people, Abraham and Isaac, he demonstrated faithfulness and forgiveness. Why? Because when we look at Isaac and we look at Abraham, they were not perfect, right? They stumbled in their faith. They were not perfect in their obedience. Yet when God describes Abraham and Isaac, it is as though they were perfect. Why? Next slide, please. 2 Timothy 2, thir verse 13. I want you to remember this. If we are unfaithful, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny who He is. This is why if you stumble, you make a mistake, you're less than perfect, do not think God will abandon His promise. Even if we are faithless or unfaithful, the Bible says He remains faithful. How did God show that pattern again and again and again? Next slide. His faithfulness, the faithfulness of God was shown in what? Next slide. In the protection. He protected Abraham and Sarah. Did he also protect Isaac and Rebekah? Yeah. He kept them from going to Egypt. He protected Rebekah by exposing what they were planning to do. Right? God protected them in their journey. What else? Showed God's faithfulness. God was faithful in His provision. Can you imagine? He planted during days of famine and He got a hundred. Out of one crop, He got a hundred when He planted it. He gave Him wealth. When everyone else was struggling, He was thriving. It's a pattern. God has given His provision. What else? God has given His guidance. God appeared to Isaac. Even though he did not deserve it, nobody deserves it. But God guides him back to Beersheba. God guides him not to go to Egypt. God guides him in everything that he did. And so we need to keep that in mind. God is faithful. What else? God is a forgiving God. And there's something, brothers and sisters, I want you to keep in mind about God. Because as human beings, we can probably relate to Abraham and Isaac, right? We can see the real people like you and I. They have their faults. They have their weaknesses. They're not perfect. They're not. 
because when you when you read the New Testament, the New Testament, when you read the New Testament about Abraham and about Isaac, and you don't read the Old Testament, you might come to the conclusion they're perfect. Because when God speaks of Abraham and Isaac, it is as though they were perfect. But in actuality, when we look at, look at uh, their lives in a microscope, when, they, when we look at the details of their lives, they're just like you and I. We make mistakes all the time like them. There are times when we are unfaithful like them. We stumble and fall like them. But God's forgiveness is so deep. Why is that? Let's read the final passage of our study, Psalms 103, 11, 13. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. That's why when you read the New Testament, it doesn't talk about the faults anymore of Abraham and Isaac. Why? Because God's forgiven them. And when God forgives, He sets them apart from you. He takes them away from you. As far as the east is from the west, God removes these sins from us. And He forgives us because of His compassion and His unfailing love. That's a pattern that I want you to see. The most important patterns in Scripture is the pattern of His unfailing love and His compassion which is why he forgives us and remains faithful to his promises even when we are unfaithful. We don't want you to be unfaithful. This should move us to be even more faithful to God and to love God even more because he was the first one to love us and forgive us and restore us. Praises be to our almighty Father. Let us all stand and we shall pray together. Almighty and everlasting Father, thank you so much, O God, because we can see indeed your love is unfailing, your compassionate and mercy very deep, which is why despite our failings, you continue to forgive our sins and remove them so far away from us. Thank you for your compassion, Father. Thank you for your patience and long-suffering. We know the patterns of old will repeat itself. We know this is the reason why what has happened to the institution has fallen fallen into place. There are those whom you have set apart, as you have done repeatedly throughout the ages. Thank you for being a part of this very small remnant. Help us to learn from the mistakes of the past. That we will grow in our faith and be able to walk together with you. Help us to be more faithful to you, Father. Help us to be more loving and to follow your teachings even more closer. Father, bless your people throughout the world. Those who are crying out to you because of pain. Those who are in great distress because of various reasons beyond their control. As you have shown us in the past, Father, even in times of famine, you can provide abundantly for the people who have fear for you and who love you with all their hearts. Lord, we worship you always. We will never stop doing this. Accept our praises, Father. For we glorify you always, our Lord Jesus Christ.
thank you so much for what you have done for all of us. Yes. Help us yes. to remain faithful to you yes. until the very end. Amen. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. Yes. You, have you have blessed your people throughout the world. Yes. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.